I would invite you to open your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 11. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 17, sort of starting in the middle of a story. Lazarus, uh, the brother of Mary and Martha, had died, and Jesus was one of the close family friends. And I'm going to read in verse, uh, beginning in verse 17, and read through verse 44 as we think together about what it really means for us, not only for eternity, but for time, day by day, as we live our lives, uh, living in uh, the wake of the resurrection, the living Christ working in us, not only to comfort us in death, but to be present with us in this life. John's Gospel, chapter 11, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 17, and I would invite you to stand if you're able, and uh, we will come to attention as God's Word is shared and read among us. In John 11:17 and following, we read, When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And the Jews were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you would always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried 
with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus heard that twice in this one conversation, once each from Lazarus' sisters, first Martha, then Mary. Jesus, if you had been here, this tragedy would not have happened. When I read that, I think about the sermon series that we just completed during the season of Lent, The Absence of God. Martha and Mary basically saying, Jesus, if you had not been absent, if you had been present... We would have had the help that we needed and our brother would be alive. And and it's a, a very common emotion, a very common feeling. And the message is that Jesus is greater than death so that even in the face of death, even though death is still a reality for us, by faith in Jesus Christ, the, the very nature of death changes and the context changes so that death is not the end. And the Easter message is that nothing separates us from a Savior who weeps with us, a Savior who loves us, and a Savior who cancels the power of death for us, a Savior who weeps with us. The, The powerful scene where Jesus just breaks down and starts crying, and when the Scripture says He was disturbed in spirit, it wasn't just grief. The, the, the power of that Greek verb is that Jesus was angry. He was indignant at the power of sin and death, the power of, of the destructive forces of life's decay, and he was determined to do something about it. Jesus, a Savior who weeps with us. And then the scripture says, as the people uh, observed, look how he loved Lazarus. He's crying. He cares. And the Easter message will never make sense to you until you understand that it's a love story. It's a story of how much God loves us, that he would give his son, and that he would, through his son, reverse the powers of death and reverse the powers of sin. And then a Savior who not only weeps with us and loves us, would that be enough? It really wouldn't be enough if all we had was a Savior who cries beside us and says, I know how you feel, and I really, really love you. Would it be enough if he just weeps with us and loves us? But he's a Savior who cancels the power of sin, and to show Martha and Mary that his words were not just words, he raises Lazarus from the dead as a sign of his impending future resurrection himself to show them, to show us, that he has power over the domain of death. That conversation between Jesus and Martha is a fascinating one, and it's quoted often. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will never die. Now, I I quote that verse to begin almost every funeral and every memorial service I ever officiate. 
I was standing here in this spot yesterday at a memorial service and began the service with those very words because to me it changes everything if Jesus is resurrection and life. It changes the whole conversation about death. And I want you to notice that Jesus, what he did not say, Jesus did not say, I have some really interesting insights about resurrection. He didn't say, I have some resurrection strength I can loan you. He didn't say, I have resurrection encouragement to offer you. This was perhaps the most bold and audacious statement that Jesus ever made in his earthly ministry. He didn't say, I give resurrection, I offer resurrection. He said, I am resurrection and life. That he is so infused with resurrection and life that, that there was no way to separate a conversation about Jesus and a conversation about life and resurrection. A powerful statement. But I want you to notice that Jesus did not simply say, I am resurrection. Because Martha originally took that to mean what you and I often take Easter to mean. She said, I know that my brother will be raised up on the last day at the end of history when the Messiah returns and the final order is established. That's, that's true. Jesus said, no, you're not hearing me, Martha. That is true, but I am not only resurrection, I am life right now. By the way, when does eternal life begin for a believer? When does the resurrection life begin for someone who has trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Does it begin when that person dies physically? No. Scripture teaches that eternity washes back into time. And the moment we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the moment we repent and turn from that life that has shut him out and by faith receive him, that's the moment that eternal life begins in us and death becomes just a transfer. And I hope we could begin to understand the power of the resurrection message for the life. Following Jesus is an invitation to become so much more than we originally believed we could be. I'm going to say that again. Following Jesus is an invitation to believe that you have the potential to become so much more than you originally believed you could be. That life is not just hollow, going through the motions, getting up and going to work and doing that for 30 or 40 years and then getting sick and dying. There's a lot of cynicism in the world today. There's a lot of emptiness. There's a lot of longing. I've been thinking lately for some reason about an old movie... That's a classic starring Paul Newman, Cool Hand Luke. Cool Hand Luke was a prisoner in a Florida prison. He was constantly breaking the rules, constantly trying to get out and escape, but he was always surrounded by this fence and these walls, always brutalized by the guards because they wanted to break his spirit. And so one dramatic scene shows him being punished for trying to escape. His ankles are shackled together, but they command him to dig a big hole the size of a grave. 
And then after he's dug it, he's sweaty, he's tired, he's hot, he's, he's shackled. They said, oh, well, you need to fill this up and dig the hole somewhere else. And then he does that. And then he fills that one up because they tell him to. And they, they finally beat on him to get him to do it. And then he digs a hole and then he fills it up. And then he digs a hole and then he fills it up. And I've thought about what a parable that is of some people's lives. You feel imprisoned. You feel like you're shackled. You don't have freedom. And you feel like life is just made up of digging holes and filling them up. Digging holes and filling them up. And that there's really no purpose to life. I want to follow that up by asking a question. Why do people come to church on Easter Sunday? And no, you don't raise your hand. Uh, and, and don't answer out loud because my wife or mom made me come. You know, I get that. Sometimes wife and, uh, or mom says, we're going to church. That doesn't count. Um, there was an interesting... Uh, by the way, I wrote about this uh, to the church in an email blast uh, this week as we thought about gathering today. You know, why do people come? What's the heart hunger that draws people here? And, and there have been some interesting things written by some theologians and some... And some uh, spiritual leaders, and and one person said, every human being has a yearning, a hope, a desire that life is something more than what we can see. And Easter Sunday is that appeal to the hidden dreams, to the deep sleeping longings in our hearts that maybe there's more to life than what we can see. And people show up at church on Easter Sunday with the hope the wish, the ache in the heart that there's more to it. Are you following me? I'm going to put it on the screen in a way that hopefully we can, we can really capture it. Resurrection is not just an event at the end of physical life. It is a gift every day of our earthly existence. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life the resurrection, and the life. And it's so important to capture both of those. How do you get in on that? Martha answered, Lord, I believe. It was personal. The I was emphatic. I, not someone else. I believe. It has to be personal. No one can make that commitment for you. I believe. It is to trust into Jesus. It is to take the weight of your life and rest on him. It is to to depend upon Him. It's to make a commitment to Him. And her faith was not vague and general. I believe in eternal life, or I believe in God, or I have faith in faith. It says, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the one who is coming, the Son of God. That's how we get in on that, by personal faith commitment in Jesus Christ. And this scene at the tomb, where Jesus is showing Martha and Mary that he's not just talking resurrection, that he has power. This scene at the tomb of Lazarus is so fascinating. And we don't talk about that as much as we do some of the other parts of this beautiful story. Jesus shows up at the tomb and he merely speaks words and Lazarus comes back to life. Do you remember in Genesis, Scripture says... All God had to do was speak the universe into existence. He didn't have to take a hammer and chisel. 
He didn't have to take a saw and a bunch of boards. He didn't have to do a lot of physical labor. He is God. He just spoke the world into existence. And so Jesus speaks new life. Just his words do it. And he didn't whisper. Did you catch that? Scripture says he shouted. He exclaimed, Lazarus, come forth. Now the scene, if you would allow me a little license, is almost comedy here because Lazarus stumbles out of the grave in grave clothes. In that day, they wrapped people in gauze. They wrapped their heads. They wrapped their whole bodies. It's like a scene from The Walking Dead, you know, if you're into those kind of TV shows. It's, a, it's, it's almost comedic, you know. Uh, and then Jesus finally says, unbind him and let him go. Do you hear the power of those words? You remember what I told you about Cool Hand Luke? About being in prison, the walls wouldn't let him out, having his legs shackled, digging a ditch, filling up a ditch, digging a hole, digging, filling up another hole, life the same, a prison. Jesus said, let him go. Liberate him. Unbind him. Let him free so he can live. And that's the resurrection challenge this morning for us. We're still alive, physically, and through Jesus Christ we can be spiritually, so we are unfettered, and we are set free not to protect ourselves, but to offer ourselves to this community, to this church, to this world. We are free to offer ourselves in Mission JC in a couple of Sundays to to be the love of Christ to this community. We are We are unbound and set free to listen to someone who's hurting this week. We are unbound and set free to forgive someone against whom we have a grudge. We are set free to relieve suffering somewhere in this world. We are set free to share the message of Jesus with someone who desperately needs to know about Him. We are liberated. Because resurrection means that we are unbound, untied, and turned loose. And I want to suggest to you that sin and death are deeply threatened by the Lord of life who is turned loose from the grave. Sin and death are greatly threatened by the Lord of life who is let loose from the grave. And when that Lord of life who's turned loose from the grave connects with his army of believers who are also risen with him to walk in newness of life. Sin and death are threatened by that mighty risen army turned loose. In the famous play by John Macefield, The Trial of Jesus, there's a a captivating climactic scene that's a dialogue between the Roman centurion who'd been present for the crucifixion and had been present when they saw the empty tomb. He's in conversation with Pilate's wife who had horrible dreams about her husband, the governor of Rome, and how he'd treated Jesus and how he had not made sure that Jesus had been set free. She'd been deeply troubled by dreams and she wants some assurance that life's going to go on the way it's gone and that her position is safe and her husband's power is secure. And she asks the Roman centurion, 
Do you think he's dead? Talking about Jesus. And the centurion replies, no lady, I don't. She said, then where is he? And the Roman centurion replied, he's let loose in the world. He's let loose in the world, lady, where no power can stop his truth. He is let loose in the world, lady, where no power can stop his truth. He is the risen Savior. He has been unbound and let loose in this community. And when his believers get connected to him, we are unbound and let loose on a world that desperately needs him. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to bow before you and confess to you our desire for a fuller, richer life. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, not only for eternity, but for the hope we have in Christ to fill this life with meaning. Bless each heart as we pause and reflect in your presence. With your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, would you take a breath? There's been a lot of wonderful things happen this morning. Just take a breath, center, pause, Ask the God of the universe what you should do in obedience to the Spirit. Just a quiet openness. As always, our altar is open for prayer, for someone coming to receive Christ for the first time, to confess His name, for others who may want to join our church or come with a prayer concern. But right where you are this morning, during the response time, we invite you to just worship and be in God's presence. A risen Savior. A loving God. Amen.